This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day, thanks for joining us. My name is Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. I believe God is going to speak to you today. He's going to use this message to impact your life. So let's pray that our God would speak to us and move in our lives. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are for us and that you love us. And we thank you for your word that speaks to us. Father, open our hearts and our ears to hear from you today. And may you bring freedom and purpose to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, a few months ago, I had the privilege of baptizing my brother. And uh, let me tell you, it's uh, been a journey. Um, my, my brother Kurt and I and my, and my little sister Angie, we were um, grown up in church. I was taken from the age of five. And Kurt was super committed to church to the point where when he was in year 10, he decided he wanted to do work experience as a minister. That was his level of dedication. But then a couple of years after that, he had a case of mistaken identity and was beat up. And there were some other things that happened in his life which created lots of pain. And that pain led to anger, and that anger led to him turning away from God. And for about 20 years, Kurt um, turned away from God and uh, lived lived the life that he wanted to live. But as I said a few months ago, I had the privilege of baptizing him. And my, my family went up. We drove 400 kilometers north to this place where he was baptized, a place called Lake Cadai. His, his pastor's there. This is his pastor over here in the, in the pink shorts of the uh, new church that he's a part of. And there was all these people there from the church that he's now a part of, and it was a big celebration. They clapped, they cheered, we prayed, we ate food together. It was a wonderful celebration. But uh, let me tell you what was happening for me in uh, one of those moments. For a moment at Kurt's baptism, um, at... And, and uh, just for a moment, I had this thought to myself, Kurt doesn't deserve this. Now, I said it was for a moment, and it was just for a moment, and the, th- and the thought was, Kurt doesn't deserve this. When our Kurt shared his testimony at his baptism, he, he apologised to my mum and apologised to our family for how he treated us. And my thought of, Kurt doesn't deserve this, came out of the pain that he caused me and the rest of our family during those 20 years when he was away from God. And as I had that thought, I I firstly recognised, hang on, that thought's not right because none of us actually deserve it. None of us deserve God's grace. We're all on the same page. We're all broken. We're all far from God and, and God draws us to himself. But I also had the thought that I was like the, the, one of the sons in the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. Now, we are called the prodigal son. The word prodigal simply means to spend money or using resources freely and recklessly, wastefully, extravagantly. And that's what we see in this parable of the lost son. Jesus tells his parable and he says, there was a father who had two sons. And the younger son asked for his inheritance early. And the father graciously gave his second son, younger son, the inheritance And that son took the wealth, went into the city, and wasted that money on wild living. He got rid of all the money and ended up in a really difficult place 
eating food of pigs, looking after pigs. And the Bible says in this parable that the, the son then came to his senses. He worked out that he was broken, that he was, his, his life wasn't right. And so he returns home to his father. And, this, and, and the story goes on to say that this father sees his son coming from a distance. His father runs to his son. He embraces his son, puts a big party on for his son, for this son was lost and now he's found. You know, that's a story we remember when we talk about the lost son or the prodigal son. But there's actually a third character in that story. And in that story, Jesus talks about the oldest son. And in this story, the oldest son gets jealous that the father treats the younger brother like that because the older son had never run away. He never squandered all the money. He never treated his dad poorly like that. And yet dad never put on a big party like that for him. And he gets jealous and he gets cranky. You know, this, uh, this uh, parable is a part of three parables that uh, Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. He tells three parables, the story of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And in each one of these parables, we have something that's lost. And, in each, and, and, and the meaning of the lost person is, or the, or the lost thing, Jesus is referring to people who are lost, people who, who, who are broken, people who, and this is important, people who, who recognize their brokenness, recognize they haven't got it all together, and they return back to the person who's trying to find them. And the person who's trying to find them in these parables is God where God goes after the lost coin, where God goes after the lost sheep, when the son returns home, the father sees him from a distance and runs to his son. So the one who pursues is God. The one who is lost is people, people who recognize their brokenness and return to God. But the difference between these first two parables and this last parable is the third character, and that is the older son. In the parable of the lost son or the, parable of the, uh, or the parable of the prodigal son, we see the father in this story represents God. We see the younger son is represented by people who recognize their brokenness, people who recognize they haven't got it all together and they need, they need God in their life. That's the people who are recognized as the younger son. But then the older son, the older son who gets cranky because they get cranky with dad for how they're treating this younger brother. They get cranky with him for the big party and the robe and the ring that this parable talks about, how the father celebrates the son who's returned. And this, and this older son is pointing to someone in the community. And if you go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 15, we're told that Jesus in this parable is speaking to the religious leaders. He's speaking to the Pharisees. And he says the Pharisees are the older son the people who are getting cranky, who are getting upset that these people who are far from God, who are broken, are returning. And, and, and Jesus describes um, these Pharisees in three ways. Jesus describes them as people who don't practice what they preach. Jesus describes them as people who taught all the law, and, and, and the Pharisees had the place of authority. 
in, in the community. They had the place of teaching God's law to the people, but they taught it, but they didn't live it. So Jesus comes against them and says, Pharisees, you're supposed to be setting the example. You're supposed to be representing God to people. You're supposed to be teaching, but your lifestyle wrecks the credibility of what you're teaching because you're not practicing what you preach. The second thing Jesus says about the Pharisees, he says they push people away from God. They were there to teach the Torah, God's 613 laws, the laws that, that, that God gave that were good about how to live, how to treat people, how to look after their crops, all the stuff. But then the, these religious leaders added all these extra laws that are Jesus describes as a heavy burden. And, and because they made it harder for people, it actually pushed people away from God. And the third thing, the third problem Jesus had with the Pharisees is that they were self-righteous. They are looked at their knowledge they looked at their authority, their place in society, and they thought that they were all good. And because they were all good, they thought to themselves, well, then God must accept me because of who I am and what I'm doing. And then not only did they think they were okay by God, they then looked down on people who weren't like them. They looked down on them, and then they even wrote off the people who were broken, people who weren't living like them, and they thought God could never accept you because of how they lived, and Jesus didn't like it. And in response to that, Jesus comes. And he practices what he preaches. He does the thing that he says. Jesus comes and rather than making it hard for people to come to God, Jesus makes it easy for people to come to God. And rather than declaring people's righteousness, Jesus goes after the broken. And he says, you broken ones, you the people who recognize you haven't got it all together. You are the ones when you come to God, you are the ones who the kingdom of God is for because you recognize you haven't got it all together. You recognize that 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 you haven't got the highest places, but you, you recognize your brokenness and that you need him. And Jesus says salvation is for them. And so here I am at Kurt's baptism, thinking to myself, he doesn't deserve this. And I recognized in that moment that I was just like the Pharisees in Luke chapter 15 in the parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son. I was just like the Pharisees, pointing my finger at my brother saying, you don't deserve this. But then the thought came straight after that, you know, actually none of us deserve this. All of us have rebelled against God. The Pharisees did, Kurt did, I had, I have, still do. We all rebel against God and none of us deserve celebration by God. None of us deserve acceptance by God. None of us deserve forgiveness by God, but God loved us. God sent his son Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, to pre practice what he preached, to draw people to God and then eventually give his life on that cross to deal with our wrongdoing, to deal with our sin and then rose from the dead to give us new life. And it's, and it's when we, we are recognized that we're broken, when we recognize that we need God in our life and we go to him asking him for forgiveness, asking him for forgiveness, for acceptance, putting our faith in him, God welcomes us and he accepts us. Like the father runs to that son, that lost son, and embraces him, God embraces us. And he says to us, welcome home. It's a beautiful picture. Well, friends, we're in a series at church called All In. And when we talk about being all in, we're talking about living a life that's all in for Jesus, where we recognize that this world's not about us, but it's actually about God 
and his plan for humanity. And God invites me and you as you watch this, whether in person or online at home, in the comfort of your lounge room, wherever you're watching this, God invites us to take a part in his story. And we live a life that honours him, that serves him, that lives under his authority, where we live in the way that he wants us to live. That's living a life that's all in. And this all-in life comes down to two things. It comes down to desire, where there's this something that is within us where we go, you know what, God, I want to serve you with my life. But it's not just about desire, it's about being deliberate, where we deliberately make choices to live a life that, that, that honour him. Every day, situations come up, choices come up, and living all-in means we, we, we deliberately make choices that please God, that, 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 are, that, that honour him. And in this series, we've looked at a number of people in the Bible. We've looked at Noah. We've looked at Moses. We've looked at um, Joseph. We've looked at Joshua. And today, we're going to look at the Pharisees. And you think, Nathan, how are the Pharisees all in? And that's a really good question. Well, I want to say today that the Pharisees were all in, but they were all in in the wrong places. I'll say that again. That's really important. The Pharisees were all in but they were all in in the wrong places. You know, the Pharisees were all in in their knowledge. They, they knew the Torah, which is the, um, the Old Testament, God's law. They knew it really, really well. They were really, really deliberate to live in a certain way, to act in a certain way. They were really deliberate. They were really deliberate in, um, in uh, living, living in a way that they thought was righteous and they thought they were going to be accepted by God by their righteousness, which which I wasn't right. And they were all in in this way, but they were all in in ways that, are, that are weren't God's best. And so what we're going to be doing today, we're going to look at a passage from Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus talks about the Pharisees and, and we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus says about them. So Matthew chapter 23 in your Bibles, I encourage you to look it up if you've got your Bibles or it's also going to be on the screen. This is what Jesus says from Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. He says, then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries, that was a, a cylinder that they would put on their forehead and their arm and inside there'll be Bible, um, Bible verses, um, the scrolls with our Bible verses in them. They'd make their philosophies wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love, they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called Rabbi by others. Now, when uh, Jesus speaks, he's speaking here to the crowds. And, and he says three things I want to point out in this text about the Pharisees. And the first description that Jesus has for the Pharisees is this, is they didn't practice what they preached. Look at verse 1, look at verse 2 and 3. He says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. The, uh, the, these religious leaders, they had the place of authority. And it was their responsibility to teach the law of Moses. Just like Moses had authority to bring God's truth, they also had authority. 
But as they did it, so in verse Jesus says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They were saying, live this way, but they weren't living this way. And they were supposed to represent God. They were supposed to add validity to God's truth. And when people heard what they said and then saw their life, it discredited what they were saying. It took authority away from, from God's word because they didn't practice what they preached. Here's a thought for them. Here's a thought for you today. Jesus didn't like what the Pharisees did. Here's a thought. The Pharisees were all into their teaching, but Jesus is looking for, for a life of practicing what you preach. Now, the Pharisees were so involved in their teaching, but they didn't live it out. And Jesus wants people who not only know it, but also live it. This, the, uh, the uh, second description of Jesus in this passage is that Jesus says that these Pharisees pushed people away from God. Look at verse 4. He says, They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. You know, these, these religious leaders were responsible to teach the Torah, teach the 1613 laws that our God gave the people. And they weren't just laws of things to do and not to and all the things not to do. God actually gave people really helpful things around crops, around how to deal with um, um, bodily fluids, how to deal with skin issues, how to deal with people with diseases. He set up this, this way of living that was to protect his people. But yet, these religious leaders set up another code called the Mishnah. And it was a commentary on the book of the law that introduced additional man-made laws that a commentator said built a fence around the Mosaic law so people wouldn't even come close to breaking God's law. Let me give you an example. The fourth commandment is, um, what does it say? Is around keeping the Sabbath day holy. The idea is that God wants people to work for six days and on the seventh day have a rest. That was from Friday night to Saturday sundown, to have a rest, which makes sense. The meaning of it was to have a rest. But then these religious leaders said, well, what does it mean to have a rest? And they worked out how many steps you could take on the Sabbath so you weren't not having a rest. And they worked out all the things you could do and you couldn't do on the Sabbath so that you could have a rest. And they totally missed what our God wanted of the spirit of the law was simply just to have a rest. And so they put all these extra rules in place, which Jesus describes as heavy, cumbersome loads, and he, that, that these laws became on people's shoulders and all these expectations, which made it harder and harder for people to follow God, which actually pushed people away. And Jesus didn't like it. See, these religious leaders, these Pharisees were all in, in following these man-made laws of the Mishnah, which actually pushed people away from God. But Jesus is about helping people come to God. That's why Jesus spoke against the Pharisees. First, so they didn't practice what they preached, and now they're pushing people away, where Jesus is all about bringing people to God. And then the third thing Jesus describes as Pharisees in the passage is as self-righteous. They looked at themselves and said, wow, aren't I great? Look what it says here in verse 5. He says, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their, those cylinders where they put the, 
the, uh, the, the passages of the Torah in them. They make them wide so everyone can see them. They make the tassels of their garment long so everyone can see them. Look at me, look at me, aren't I great? I'm a religious leader. I'm following God's law. They said they love the place of honour at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. Aren't I important? Look what I know. Look what I've done. It's all about self-righteousness. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi, teacher by others. And Jesus says this self-righteousness, this uh, self-promoting is, 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 is not okay. They are looked at themselves. They looked at their knowledge and they said, aren't I great? Look at my place in society. Aren't I great? Look at the authority I have. Aren't I great? And because I'm so great, well, then God is going to accept me. Then they look down on anybody who wasn't like them. And not only looked down on them, but the ones that are broken, they said, God could never accept you because you aren't living the way I'm living. And this is what Jesus says about that. He says this, the Pharisees, not Jesus, what I say about that, but look at look Jesus' point. The Pharisees were all in in their self-righteousness. But Jesus is about pursuing those who recognize their brokenness. I said these Pharisees looked down on the broken and they said God could never accept you. But Jesus says, actually, they're the ones who the kingdom of God is for because they recognize that they're broken. They recognize they haven't got it all together and they recognize they need God in their lives. And this is the beautiful thing about the good news of Jesus, that Jesus comes for people who are broken. Jesus comes for people who recognize they haven't got it all together. And these religious leaders who thought, I'm okay, look what I can do. Jesus is saying, no, you are just as broken as these people. You just don't know it. And so Jesus looks for people who recognize their brokenness, who recognize they need forgiveness, who recognize they need God's acceptance, and he opens his arms for them. You know, these Pharisees were all in, but they were all in in the wrong places. I began this message by talking to you about Kurt's baptism. I told you that I had the privilege of baptizing my brother and, and, and I found myself at the baptism for, for just for a moment identifying with the Pharisees. I was like one of the Pharisees in my self-righteousness pointing my finger at my brother and saying, he don't deserve this, look at his life, look at how he's treated us, look at what he's done. And it was in that moment, as soon as I had that thought, I went, no, that, that thought's not right because we're all in the same place. Just like Kurt, that's where I was, broken, far from God. And when I recognised my brokenness and I came to God, God accepted me. And I know that I'm still broken even now. And the reality is we still are. And it's as we come to God that God accepts us. God's, God forgives us and he welcomes us and he welcomes us home. And as we talked about the Pharisees today and as we talked about how I could relate to them, I wonder if you can relate to the Pharisees today. I wonder if there's something that I've said about these Pharisees that, that I, you can relate to. You know, Jesus went after the Pharisees firstly because they didn't practice what they preached. And friends, if we want to be a Christian who is all in for Jesus, we need to practice what we preach. We need to, what we say is right. We need to make sure what we say and, and our actions are in alignment. I've heard over and over again from unbelievers that their biggest turnoff from becoming a Christian is the hypocrisy 
of Christians who say one thing and do another. These Christians who say they belong to Jesus, they say they're accepted by God, but they live a life that looks nothing like that. You know, if we want to be all in, what we say and what we do needs to be consistent so we are a light, a light to the world. Maybe you can relate to this one. These Pharisees, they pushed people away from God. You know, if, if, if we want to be all in as, as, as a follower of Jesus, we need, to, we need to make it so easy for people to come to God and we need to play our part in helping people come to God. You know, I started this message by talking about the, the, the parable of the lost son from Luke 15. And his story is about a son who runs away, squanders his father's wealth in while living, gets to the lowest of the low, works out he's broken and needs to return home, and he returns home and his father sees him from a distance and he runs to his son. Now that was unheard of for a Jewish man in that culture to run and he would have had long robes and it would have meant him picking up his robes, showing his lower legs, again, unheard of, and running to his father and running to his son and embracing him. Not only does he embrace him, he welcomes him in. He kills a fattened calf and puts on a big party. He gets a big ring for him and a coat and treats him like a celebrity as he's welcomed home to the family. And it's interesting in that parable, nowhere does does it say that the father interrogated his son. Nowhere does it say, son, I can't believe you did this or what did you do wrong or um, you've done all these things. That's not in the story. What we have is this embrace that the father has for the son. He welcomes him home. And I think as Christians, we can make it difficult for people to come home to God the Father. You know, some groups, some Christian groups say that people have to behave in a certain way before they believe. And that's the total opposite, friends, because people need to believe. And it's as they believe, they receive the Spirit and the Spirit starts to transform their life. And as they're transformed, they start to behave differently. It's important that we welcome people in all their brokenness and their poor behaviour, that we accept them, that we love them, the point of Jesus and allow God to do the change in their lives. Other groups say that, that people must dress a certain way or be in the same social, social class or put expectations on people before they come to Christ. And that's not right, friends. People are broken. They, get, they come in their brokenness. They come, they get accepted by God, and then God does the work in their life. As Christians, we need to have arms that are wide open to accept people who don't, who don't know Jesus. We need to have conversations with people, to tell them about Jesus, to make it easy for them to hear the gospel and then respond to it. We need to be deliberate to invite people to a place where they hear the message of Jesus. You might want to invite someone to our online church and you might be watching online because someone's invited you. We want to, it's important that we invite people to our physical locations so they get to meet other Christians and hear the message of Jesus. We can invite people to do Alpha or or our New Believers course called Foundations, which has been, for me, really effective in leading people to Jesus. We need to give people opportunities to hear the message. We need to practice what we preach so our lifestyle is not a block for people to come to Christ. And we need to welcome people into our community, even before they're a Christian, accepting them as they are, allowing them to hear 
the message of Jesus and run back to God. We must, we, we, we must do everything we can as believers to not push people away, but rather welcome them in. And finally, Jesus talked about the Pharisee's self-righteousness. And I wonder if you can relate to that. In the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, Jesus makes it clear that the man who is accepted by the father is the one who has just gone and squandered and has lived poorly and is broken, but is willing to return. You know, Jesus says you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together to come to God. Actually, God's, God loves it when you come to him in your brokenness, when you recognize that you haven't got it all together and, and, and you run to him. You know, some people think that they have got it all together and that their good works have outdone their bad works, so therefore God's going to accept them, or it's something that they've done, something that they've achieved that's going to be good enough for God to accept them. But the Bible says that none of us are good enough. It says in Ephesians 2, it's not by works that we are saved, but it's by God's grace. None of us deserve it. None of us are good enough to earn it. It's only as we recognize that we're not good enough, that we've all rebelled against God, that we've all messed up. When we recognize that and we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. I believe what Jesus has done for me. Please accept me that he does that and then he makes you righteous. He accepts you in. He welcomes you home and he says, you are now my son. You are now my daughter. You are my child. Welcome home. So as we come to the end of this message, I wonder which one of these three things you can relate to the most. Are you practicing what you preach? Maybe there's areas of your life where you, where you say that you're doing these things for God, but you're actually not. Where you know what's true and yet you're not living it out. Maybe it's somewhere that you need to work on. Or maybe you're living a way that's pushing people away to God, maybe away from God. Maybe it's your lifestyle that's, that, that's not attractive to unbelievers. Maybe you're putting expectations on people before they come to God. If that's true, and you, you need to repent of that. You need to repent of these first two things and say, God, I'm sorry, I need to change. Or maybe you can relate to this third one, this idea that you think you got it all together and, and, and God's going to accept you. But the reality is it's not true. The reality is we're all broken. And if you've heard that today and you've recognized that today, the first step in resolving that is, is coming to God, asking him to forgive you like the, like the youngest son did running to his father. God wants you to run to him. And when you do, he will accept you. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you want to commit your life to Jesus, if you want to run home to God, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer after me. This is a prayer to become a Christian. It's a prayer to run home to your Father. I encourage you to pray it with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just pray that prayer, you've become a Christian. You just made the most important decision of your life. You've just returned home to God. You know, if you're watching this online, I encourage you to click on the prayer tab and let someone know that you prayed it. 
If you're in one of the physical locations, I encourage you to go to the start here desk or, or come to the front for prayer at the end of this service because we want to help you live a life that honours God. We want to help you in that journey. We want to get around you. You know, thanks for being part of this today. You know, God wants us to live lives that are all in, but all in in the right place. And that is living a life that honours God, that pleases God in every single area. I'm going to close and I'm going to pray as we close. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this, for, for this moment. We want to thank you that for, for Jesus who shows us that he practised what he preached, that he made it easy for people to come to God. And he made it clear that if people want to be in relationship with you, we need to recognise our brokenness and, and run home to you. Father, I pray for everybody who's listening to this message today, that you'll be speaking to them, that you'll be moving in their heart, that you'll be drawing them to yourself, and that each one will live a life all in for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being part of this today. God bless you. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 